Lesbian speaking. Lesbian speaking. Lesbian and she's speaking. Lesbian speaking may contain adult content and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. If you follow me on TikTok, you'll know my girlfriend got me an amazing gift when I hit 50K. Well, amazing for me. I'm a total germaphobe. It is called a pump pal. You know what? These days, I think everybody's a bit of a germaphobe and they need one of these. What is it? Well, let me tell you. This is a silicone glove that you stick inside the gas tank door of your car. So when you pull up to the gas station, you just open the door, stick your hand in the glove, hit the buttons, put the pump in, and you're ready to go. I tell you what, during a pandemic, this is the perfect thing to have around. The Pump Pal. Get yours today by following the link in this episode's description. Pump Pals. Thank you for joining me today on Lesbian Speaking. Today, I am here with Sinclair Sexsmith, the editor of Best Lesbian Erotica of the Year, Volume 6. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I've been, I I have to admit, I've read through most of the book and haven't been able to finish it yet. Uh, Before we get into the details of it, I do want to let folks know that it is uh, something that I found unable to read during work hours. Unable to read before I met up with the family, <laughs> but uh, it was a great read before I laid down with my girlfriend at night. It's definitely not safe for work. Exactly. Don't take it to work, <laughs> folks. Well, it depends on what you do, but <laughs> if you have a conventional job, maybe not. So tell us a little bit about this book that's uh, being released hot off the press. Well, it's the it's the third volume that I've edited. So I'm I'm a new series editor, but the series has been around since 1997, I believe. And um, there are dozens of books in the series. I'm really excited to take the helm and and kind of give my own spin on uh, what the current state of lesbian erotica is, and right. really um, share with people, you know, some of these great writers that might be mostly. Um, less conventional writers and sort of bring them more into the mainstream of the lesbian erotica world. Right. Right. And that's something that I noticed uh, when you get into that not mainstream is growing up for myself, when you hear lesbian erotica, you think of these cisgendered straight people who wrote something for their piece of entertainment. Whereas this Mm. is not at all that. This is very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of different, wide variety, actually, of identities of the authors and of the characters in the book. So um, many of them identify as lesbian. Lots of them would use the word queer. Lots of them are um, uh, might uh, see themselves as non-binary or kind of gender non-conforming in some way. Um, but the criteria is having affinity with and rootedness in the lesbian community. So um, whatever that might mean, however the authors or characters want to interpret that, they still have some affinity and, and connection to the lesbian communities. Right. And I think where I feel that message for myself is in saying that it's not necessarily a story about lesbians, but these are stories for lesbians. And meaning that mm-hmm. it is all inclusive in that way. So you do have transgendered roles. However, as a lesbian in the community, why wouldn't I want to read about that? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and there are plenty of trans women who are lesbians, so that fits right in. Exactly, exactly. And I think that is a very welcoming message that you have in putting these stories together under the title lesbian is because of the there's there's this gap in those communities and I think these things help bridge mm. those gaps. Yeah, I think so too. And there's a you know, there's a lot of just interesting identities out there and people having sex and, you know, playing with their identities and playing with gender affirming sex. And um we don't always get to see that. Uh, in our own little circles. So maybe we have, you know, a, a crush on someone who's non-binary, but we don't really know how to approach them or what that would be like or what that would mean or what that would look like. And so reading some examples of like people who know how to talk about someone who's non-binary in their body, that might be really helpful to just kind of give some more ideas, open up some new possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but open up the possibilities of having different types of relationships other than the mm-hmm. black or white Go into that gray line a little bit, right? Right, because there's lots of things about like kink relationships or polyamory or other kinds of openness and other kinds of relationship structures in the book too. Exactly, and I absolutely appreciated that. And it took, uh, I, I don't even want to say weirdness because for me it's not a weirdness, but I think in society hey. that there's, there is a weirdness for it, but they were very normalized stories. And I think that's mm-hmm. what was great. It, it, yeah, it didn't it's still have... unusual, though. They're still not so common in most people's lives. I mean, some of us are, you know, certainly just mired in those types of relationships and communities, but lots of us aren't. So right, exactly. Seeing a little window in is always helpful, I think. Right. Now, what you say this is the third year that you've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And so the previous books that you had edited, were they um, volume... Volume four and volume five. Volume yeah. four, four and five. Okay, so back to back to back. Is this something that you're going to continue to do going forward? I just finished volume seven, actually. Um, and so I do plan to do a few more. Um, I'm, I have a like a year-to-year contract, so I don't have like a five-year plan for it. Okay. Uh, so I don't totally know what the publisher wants to do in the coming years. But um, but I'm excited to do it for a few more years. Yeah, it's it's really fun to be a curator, to, to help and support the writing in the world to, you know, reach a broader audience and, um, get polished up. You know, sometimes there, I work with more beginner writers or, or early writers who are early on in their career. And, um, I do a bit more editing with them or a bit more formatting work, you know, to try to encourage their message into like the traditional publishing format. Right. Um, so it just so it just depends, but yeah, I'm planning to do a few uh, at least volume seven. That'll be out in January 23, okay. about a year, and um, and who knows how many after that? I don't know yet. Oh, that sounds great. I, I like it that you have a passion for it. I think that's where where you don't hear a lot is is folks are um, in these industries where they're putting out these stories and maybe they're doing it just because they have the job. But you sound like you have a true passion for this, and that's great. Oh God. Oh, I really do. I mean, I, I've written erotic for many years, almost 20 years now, but I also, um, as I was coming out in the late nineties, I found the best lesbian erotica series and it just changed my whole life. I just went, what, what is this? Like, who are these people who are doing these things? And I want to do these things. And also I want to write about these things. I want to make these stories because they felt so profound and gave me such a huge window into what, 
um, queer desire was and, and what it could be um, in, t- in a time when I just kind of had no idea what that meant or, yeah. or how I was going to find my way into it. Uh, I, I knew I didn't fit in the heterosexual world, but I didn't know how to fit somewhere else. And, and finding the Best Lesbian Erotica series specifically was such a roadmap for me to finding my own connection with my own desire and, um, and then finding words and language to talk about it and, and finding community based on that language was really, really helpful and profound. That's amazing. I'm hoping that with, with this, the work that you're doing with the launch of this volume, getting out there and doing these podcasts, getting your name out there, that other people who, who I've been hearing from on TikTok need that same feeling and they need that same sense of understanding mm. from literature. I think that this will bring it to them. Great. I hope so. I really hope so. Um, it was, you know, it was the first place I ever published an erotic story too. One of my erotic stories was in the 2006 edition and um, oh, wow. it was one of the first places I was published in a, in a proper book. And so it was, I, yeah, I just, I think there's a lot, I think this series has a lot to offer and, um, and I, I hope people can pick it up and, and just find one story. You know, that's the beauty of the anthology is that they're all different. And so if you are like, oh, wow, I'm really not into this. You just turn the page and then you might be into the next one. Um, and it, it might be something where you grow to like it. I remember some of the early anthologies I read thinking this, this was weird or I didn't understand and coming back to it later going like, oh, I totally get this now. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a great point because there is so many different stories and so many different characters and thought processes and it's not brought in a, dare I say, crude way. Yes. Has the focus... I'm not going to say the focus. Have you always seen BDSM and kink stories submitted for the best lesbian erotica? Uh, has, oh, has that... absolutely. Yes. yes. From okay. the very beginning. Okay. Um, there's, um, from the, from the early copies, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't doing this, the editing then, right. But like the early editions of the book in the late nineties and the early two thousands have, plenty of BDSM included in them. Um, and the series was started by Tristan Terramino, who's a very well-known kink educator and sex activist in general. Um, so I think her particular audience also drew a lot of kink to it. Um, this year I had probably more kink submissions than I had vanilla submissions and actually had to ask some people for some vanilla submissions so that I could have more, uh, non kink <laughs> sex stories, but, uh, but I figured it out. We have more than enough now. Okay. Thankfully. Okay. Do you think that has to relate with the goings on in the world or just the fact that there's more broad spectrum of likes and dislikes out there? Yeah, I think there's a lot more acceptance for kink uh, explorations than there used to be, you know? And okay. as as challenging as things like Fifty Shades of Grey are to people in the kink community, which, which they are, um, I still think that the visibility of that can provide a really helpful uh, access point into learning more about kink. And the BDSM communities are really heavily focused on education and consent and, uh, you know, welcoming people who are new and getting the right kind of information to them, um, making sure they have access with what they need. There's a lot of people really willing to do a lot of 
mentoring and labor and support when someone's new to kink. So um, I think we just have an increased amount of visibility for, okay. for kinky explorations and what kinky queerness looks like in general, uh, especially with the rise of the internet, right? Um, exactly. Rise of the internet in general, but the, but the huge rise of um, access with smartphones and with e-readers, they, all of those things have really changed people's access to the information about kink. Right. Well, it sounds like you're very informed. For those who are thinking about tipping their toe into the kink world or BDSM, uh, what kind of things can they do to explore that or maybe classes or events can they go to? Sure. Um, well, this is actually a great time for kink education because the pandemic has moved so much education online. Um, and so there's so many things, so many places you can go research or take classes. Um, one of the books I recommend more than anything else is the book called Playing Well with Others, which is a guide to the kink communities. So okay. it's a little bit more about meeting in person. It was written before the pandemic, but it has excellent breakdown of terms, of, uh, you know, glossary, of things you can expect, of um, etiquette, of the different kinds of events that happen in the kink community. Um, so that's an excellent book. A place to go to, for a lot of education, my favorite one to recommend is Kink Academy, which is an online website, kinkacademy.com, that has just hundreds of presenters and videos, all some of the best kink educators in the world um, talking about how to do things. So really you can search for just about anything there and find a little video on it and uh, get down a deep rabbit hole of, of kink education with dozens of videos if you wanted to. So those are two of my favorites. Um, I, I can send you a link to put in the show notes, but I do have a list that is like uh, kink 101 resources and some of my favorite things that I recommend. So we can add that to the show notes if you'd like. Okay. That would be great. Actually. I know that there's a lot of folks who listen and watch the TikToks and, you know, have questions about this. Um, yeah, I hear so many people who are trying to cross over from their traditional lifestyle because they feel like they've been holding something in. And this is a time where we're all self-reflecting and seeing yes. what it is that I'm not doing for myself. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's get that information out there. Absolutely. It's so true. There's so many people coming into the kink community, but also, you know, coming out as queer, coming out as non-binary, coming out as trans during the last two years, I've really noticed a rise in the, in the self-reflecting. And I think it, it helped that we stayed home for a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people stayed home for a long time and didn't have to go kind of perform their gender in front of other people right. in the same way. So they started going, well, if I'm not, if I don't have to do it like that, how do I want to do it? What's my, what are really would be pleasurable for me? And I think that's amazing. I love that evolution that's happening mm -hmm. yeah and with so many people evolving there's this uh, general acceptance um that we have mm -hmm. out in the communities it's things like this book that helps bridge that gap so <laughs> oh, thanks yeah yeah i hope so too i mean as much as it's also a little bit escapist and fantasy and for fun and and for pleasure and made to like you know turn you on and get you off really um as much as it's all those things it's also has it also has valuable glimpses into what co community or what consent negotiation looks like or what um 
you know, what, uh, what screwing up a scene looks like. There's occasionally stories. I don't think there's one in that volume six, but there's occasionally stories about, you know, someone having to say a safe word and that where they stop the scene and they need to check in and they really have to pause, you know? Right. So, um, I, I love examples of like, of, of the nitty gritty and the, and the messy stuff as well as the fantasy stuff, right. you know, the fantasy is fun, but having some reflection of like, what I think really happens or seeing some characters negotiate sex makes might, might help someone understand that they could negotiate and it wouldn't necessarily be completely scary or, you know, unsexy, for example. You know, I did so I notice that put those things in there. there was a particular story where they did um, recover the rules that they had set aside. Uh, and it mm. was a very, Hey, we're having a matter of fact conversation about it. Here's our safe word. Here's what we're going to do if we're uncomfortable. Okay, now we can do this. Um, and I think that that having real conversation, it's almost the equivalent of you're writing a book and he stops to put the condom on, right? Where they say, right. well, that's not attractive. And it's like, actually, it is because it's responsible and responsibility is attractive, right? Right, <laughs> Yeah. right, right. And how do you, I mean, it's perfectly fine to kind of, whisk that away to the other room and make it kind of seamless, but it's also fine to put it, put in the really awkward moments and put in the, the weird, yucky, confusing moments and, um, and include those things as, as real and normal too. Because I think if we only see the fantasized cleaned up versions, then we don't see what is just everyday happening. We don't see our sex life reflected as normal and as valid. Right. Right. I absolutely agree. Now, I do have one pressing question for you, Sinclair. Okay. Out of all of these stories, how do you, do you, do you say there is no such thing as a favorite child? Or do you say <laughs> that is the one? This year, this one got me. Oh, God. Oh, do I have, I don't know if I've thought about that. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the very the very first story always is a hard hitter, right? Like the way that I, that you kind of create an arc of an anthology. The first story is a good one. And the second story is a good one. So like two of those, those two are my, some of my favorites for sure. Um, oh, I'd also say the last story is so like just, just by nature of being the last one or by the nature of being the first one, that means I'm particularly fond. Uh, um, there we go. Okay. And, and of course I can't pick, you know, I can't pick cause they're all so amazing. Um, I really like Toby Hill Meyer's story being present. Toby writes uh, very prolifically erotica and, um, I'm really a big fan of hers. And so I was really excited to have that piece in here. Um, it's a complex one about, uh, trans women and dating and, um, kind of navigating, uh, dis gender dysphoria and right. kind of figuring out how to be together uh, with with their bodies, which I just thought was beautiful. Oh yes, that was. The, I think that was the story where uh, previously had dated men and now trying to mm -hmm. figure out how to be with women in the new body. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I really liked Meg Elison's story that's called Code. That is um, two AIs. <laughs> having sex or yeah. <laughs> having an erotic encounter. You know, I was um, a little bit confused until I was like, Oh wait, okay. I get uh -huh. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. 
it's uh it's a little sneaky it's a little bit of a sneaky one she was one of the people that um when i made a wish list for the authors i wanted to contribute meg elison was on there and so i feel extra excited and lucky that uh one of her stories is in here too i don't usually put um speculative fiction or or kind of sci-fi things in here we we generally keep it really grounded but i really love the way she did that story so i'm excited for that one too no are most i, I of... mean i could say something about every single story in here oh, yeah. right of oh course. yeah i'm sure <laughs> so are are most of these authors names that you know or are they um names that came out of nowhere uh it's a combination actually so some of them are quite well-known erotica authors uh, Mika James, Toby, Sunny DeSoto, uh, Mix Nil and Lore uh, writes a very amazing sex blog. Um, Kel Hardy writes amazing stuff. Titus Androgen, you know, so a lot of these folks are familiar. Um, Jacqueline Sainerbain, familiar and, and write other places, but um, uh, some of them are new. Some of them have never been published before. I think Cassandra Cavanaugh, this might be her first one. Um, and some of them haven't published very much. I think Bear Nix is one of their first, pub- not sure about their first, but they are not as widely known. I'm very excited to have them in this book. So, you know, it's a, it's a mix. I love publishing someone for the first time. If it's a good, sexy story, uh, I will... I will, I will run with it. You yeah. know, I will take it and run with it. I don't, it doesn't matter if someone has been published a million times or never before, if it's a great story. So I think that this is an amazing lesson to teach folks who are listening that you may think I'm not this accredited author and I don't have these great books published. That doesn't mean that you can't submit stories because your story could still get picked. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. And I'm sure, I, I, I don't know if you have this feeling, but when you have something that's brand new that you get to put out there and say, look at what I found, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a good that's feeling for yourself. Too, yeah. 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 I love publishing someone for the first time because I love seeing them go on to, to, to publish other things and to, to see where their, where their career goes, right. what else they learn and publish and grow and how their work moves. Yeah. Right. I love that. Now, oh, you know, I think I said, um, Bear Nick's I said they pronouns for bear and bear uses he pronouns. So pardon my, okay. pardon my mistake there. Um, I don't, a lot of these people I don't know personally. So I mostly have interacted them, you know, with them through email and right. I don't always keep everybody's pronouns straight. So right. my apologies to bear. Thank you for that. I have great news. I am now an Amazon affiliate. Uh, isn't that great? But what does that mean for you? I'm going to tell you there is a link in the description of today's episode that you can follow the Amazon link and you're going to see all these little fun gadgets and things that we find that we use around the house that we talk about on TikTok. We talk about it here on the podcast, even Instagram. No more wondering where we get these crazy things. Check out the Amazon link. Check it out next week. Check it out next month because I'm going to be updating the list as we use new products, fun new things to try in your home that we use in our home. Check out the Amazon link today. You said that you submitted uh, your writing many years ago, but you have a history of writing prior to that yourself. Yeah, that um, for in Best Lesbian Erotica, 
2006 was the first time that my work was published. I think I've been in eight or something volumes of it mm. as of now. Um, and I had been, I'd been writing for many years before then, but um, hadn't published much beyond small literary journals. So it was really exciting to get a short story published. Is that your main focus career? Is the writing or the editing? The writing is more of my career. The editing is a is a is a bonus. A <laughs> bonus. note bonus to okay. be a, more of a curator. Yeah. Okay. So I love it that you say bonus as opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to do it, but you, it sounds like you're really excited about this. Oh, I feel yeah. so honored to be trusted with this series. I mean, it's such a valuable, important series that's been in the world for so long and, and to like kind of pick up the torch and run with it. I mean, it just feels like, you know, if I could tell my 20 year old self, you know, someday you're going to edit one of these books, they, she would have just lost her mind, you know, yeah. <laughs> that would have been such a cool idea. Yeah. So yeah. I feel really lucky to be part of the series for however long I'm part of it. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, if I, who wouldn't want to work for the thing that they grew up with and it was so formative right yeah Yeah. exactly yeah I did see I didn't even know I'm a lesbian in my late 40s and I didn't even know about this series until you had reached out to me and I was surprised to see how long these stories have actually been running that I didn't even hear about them Man, well, lucky you. You have so many books you've never read that you now you get to go. <laughs> I know. We're Amy and I are going to be really busy coming up. She had me read her a story while she was making dinner. So that was a very interesting <gasps> dinner. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're probably going to have to do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Highly recommend, highly recommend. Yeah. That's the best. Right. We've started doing bedtime stories also um, where, you know, it's so easy for my partner and I to just like turn on the TV and unwind in the evenings. But we've been thinking like we really want to read more and how do we and we want to kind of infuse more sexiness and connection and kink and into our relationship. How can we do that? So we started reading some books out loud to each other. Yeah, that's a great idea. Which is really lovely. I like that. I think that might I mean, be a thing. Sometimes here. I just want to watch TV, but <laughs> yeah, I know it's still quite lovely to read. I know it is. I, it's hard to connect when you're watching TV. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, d- sitting down because you see each other's reactions uh, to the things that are happening and you get to find out you guys couples therapy right here. When you see <laughs> somebody's reactions to what's happening, you know what they're going to want to try. Just saying. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little advice there. So get one of these books, read it out loud to your partner. <laughs> and then you might have some inspiration. It's so true. Yeah, exactly. And now you've got some tools because we're going to put the links on here to go get help. So you can fulfill that inspiration in a safe way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And there's so many ways to just... Um, you know, just try a little bit more of something. It doesn't have to be this huge elaborate thing with all these props and costumes and dialogue and, you know, extensive scenes or something. It can be a very simple, like, we're just going to add a little bit of sensation. I'm going to, you know, drag this really soft fabric over your body while you're blindfolded. You know, it could be really 
about waking up the sensate body and feeling more with our senses. And that it's just that inspiration, just that, um, um, addition to any other kind of sexy times, you know, can right. be, can be a big, a big boost. Um, and sometimes if you, you can have, you know, really soft sensation, but you can also have more percussive sensation or stingier or, you know, sharper sensation, all sorts of ways to like wake up the senses. And to me, that's what BDSM is all about is ways we wake up our body and feel our body. Right, right. And I think you made a really good point about, you know, something soft going over your body while you're blindfolded. And I, I think folks are scared a lot because they equate it just to the pain side. Right. But really, it's more about yeah. a giving up control is is more what it's about. Well, it could be about giving up control or it yeah. could be about taking control. That's true. Um, yeah. Or it could not really even have much control involved and just have it be something that you're doing that's you're trusting your partner and and um and experiencing sensation right of like i don't know ice cubes or um something prickly or what it feels like to be you know smacked on the butt with a book yeah (laughs) that could be fun yeah not necessarily flogged or but (laughs) whatever your level is is what it can be right it doesn't have to be anything that you don't want it to be yeah exactly and we you know you can you can you can give someone some love taps, <laughs> if you will, um, in a in a really different way. You don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be this intense, painful smacks, right? Like if someone is um, wants some sensation on their body, it can be a wide range of experiences, from very su- very very subtle to very bold, right? Very strong, right? And usually, people, if you see demos or if you see porn with people getting, you know, extreme. Uh, extreme pain, extreme sensation with um, being beaten up or hit with implements or anything. You know, those those folks have worked up to that. Like they've practiced that probably for years. So they um, they started slow and small and with less pain usually right. most right. of the time. And they wouldn't expect anybody new to come in and be able to just walk into that role either. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. It takes it's skill actually, like to be hit with something and and like feel, be able to like relax into it and and feel good about it and trust your partner or whoever is doing that for you with you. Um, that takes some some skill to receive that kind of sensation. So it's not it's not as easy as just you know, we'll just throw throw this paddle at you or something, right? Right. It takes takes time and 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 which is another reason why it's important to you know, get actually a little bit involved with some of the kink education and hear about ways to make it safe and ways to make it um, build trust and, you know, build a container so that everybody feels like they had a good time and um, work with the communication techniques to make sure everybody's on the same page, all of that. And, And, you know, of all the places that I've learned things like consent and communication in my life, the BDSM community has have been a huge influence for those topics for me. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that the folks who are within the community, they're not looking to do something to harm somebody. They're looking to do something to give pleasure to somebody. Absolutely. Right. Right. Well, and preferably actively avoid the doing harm part. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's unfortunate that you know in the, in previous years I say in my youth um, that it was 
painted in this negative light because uh, you're talking about people who have just different forms of expressing their sexual energy. And that should be mm-hmm. something that's celebrated and not looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it can, it can just add a little bit of spice, right? It can add a little bit of um, pleasure to something that's already great, right? Like right. Uh, it doesn't have to be something that happens all the time. It doesn't have to be, um, the, the new way that we always have sex forever and ever. Uh, it can just be like, let's try this out and see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. Now tell me, when is this book coming out? It, it came out the first week of January. Oh, so first, volume six okay. is out now. Oh, it's already out. Volume six is out now, folks. And you can buy it on Amazon. Oh. All, All things? kinds of places. Amazon, yeah, um, bookshop.org. If you are an avid digital bookshopper, like through Amazon, you might take a look at bookshop.org because they give their uh, proceed, a part of their proceeds to um, local bookstores, which is great. Um, if you have a local queer or trans or, or feminist women's bookstore in your area, definitely you can order it from them directly and they will ship, usually just ship it right to you, but also pick it up at the bookstore um you can get it from my website at sugarbutch.net and i can sign it for for you i actually don't have i think i'm out of copies right now but i'm getting another box of them any day and so i by the time you click over to the shop and look at the books um they should be there they will probably be there Uh, and i also have copies of volume five and four if anybody wants to order a little bundle of three books i have those on my website too oh very cool very cool I think some folks might actually be interested in that. So let's hope they go through and or, order all of the volumes that you want, you guys. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I hope I hope they, you know, they'll find at least one good story in each of them. And then you can look up that person's work and go find where they've written in other books and find those books and, you know, follow their blog and um, follow their Instagram or whatever, and, uh, find some new inspiration. I think that the, the stories are, are meant for us to feel less alone. And they're meant for us to feel, for us readers to feel more connected and feel both to ourselves and our sexualities and the queer communities in general. Right. And, and I think and that they I do don't know about you, but I felt very isolated in the last two years of this pandemic. And so it's really helpful for me to just like dive into some affirming, you know, queer, loving, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, vicious and cruel and yeah. <laughs> uh, dominating or submitting, like, but, but like c- coming from a place of love, all of those. So I, I love reading about that stuff. Yeah. It creates a community. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, a safe mm-hmm. community. And you, you stated that the next volume is, um, being completed and it comes on here. So every, or do these typically come out every January? Yep. Right around December or January this year, uh, it was pushed back a little because of the supply chain happening, but, right. um, hopefully it'll be either December or January, uh, December 22 or January 23 for volume seven. All right. So yeah, keep, keep, keep that in mind, folks. There's always more of these to come annual event but if you want to submit your stories that's in august right yeah there'll there'll be a call out around august and uh they'll be due maybe 
September. I'm hoping to do it a little earlier this year, but we'll see what happens um, with the summertime. So people, if they keep an eye on my social media or mailing list um, from sugarbitch.net, I always announce it far and wide and try to you know, get as many submissions as I possibly can. Right. Uh, and the writing spicy class, that's my erotica writing class, is going to happen in February and then again in August. So people can come and um, workshop the stories that they're working on if they want to and get some affirming feedback. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in telling people what is going excellently right about their writing and staying in a lot of compliments and focusing on what's really cooking and working well. Um, so while there will be feedback in the erotica writing workshops, it's not usually the kind of cutting down, you know, you're doing this terribly kind of feedback. It's right. very affirming. Right. And that's great because I think that helps people build confidence and especially if they're mm. new to it. Uh, and mm -hmm. it sounds like you really like to support uh, new creators. Absolutely. It's so easy as a writer um, to put your, you know, beautiful little tiny baby creation out there and then somebody can just come along and just smack it down right. and step on it and crush it in the ground with their critique, you know? So, and then it just, I don't know about you, but I have had that experience plenty of times in my early writing years and it was devastating. It was often really, really crushing while I was trying to build up um, what a, a writing teacher of mine used to call my writing sea legs so that I could, you know, stand and hold my own as I was learning. So it's really helpful to, to focus on what's working really well and what is, um, yeah, what like what my unique perspectives are and what I'm bringing to the table. Oh, it always hurts. It always helps to study craft and and focus on you know craft and things too, of course. But um, a lot of us have instincts about writing stories, and following them is really right. really valuable. Now you're you're talking talking about the craft. Have you had a submission where you you felt that um, this was someone who maybe wasn't so advanced in the the kink or bdsm world and they submitted a story about it and you could tell but still you were drawn to it and wanted to go ahead and put it in the book mm. sometimes i do yeah. think sometimes people are writing uh are full-on writing fiction you know things that they maybe haven't done or haven't experienced and um and sometimes there's a little bit of feedback from me in stories, but honestly, usually uh, the folks who are submitting things are clearly very well not, well versed right. in what they're submitting, and the passion that they have, and the the knowledge that they have comes through their their writing, which is one of the things I'm I'm really drawn to. You know, right. so um, I think there's just not enough depiction of queer people and what queer people's erotic lives really look like. And like you said, at the, when we started talking, the um, very often lesbian erotica or lesbian porn is made by hetero folks with the intention mostly of stimulating straight men. It's like a straight male gaze. Right. Um, and so having queers, you know, wrestle the pen <laughs> out of their hands put yeah. it in our own like write what we actually like and what we actually do and what we're actually into um I find a, a very empowering act and very important to 
to keep putting in the world, to keep, um, to keep sharing with other people because, uh, you know, claiming it for ourselves is one piece, but then sharing it is a whole other piece of being visible with, uh, with what we, what we love and what we long for, you know, what our hearts love and long for, but also like what our genitals love and long for. Right. Right. Exactly. Especially when it comes to entrusting and, and, for some folks uh, who are moving over from living in this heteronorm world and realizing that that is not at all for them and translating it into what that means for if you are already into the kink and the BDSM, how does that translate to being with another woman or mm-hmm. man or mm-hmm. trans or I, these stories, I mean, show, I mean, it definitely resonates a difference for me on what you would see with just a straight couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some really unique perspectives with what queers bring. And some of that is, you know, the, the thoughtfulness and consciousness around things like power dynamics or gender or affirming bodies um, or just even being honest about what we think is sexy because queers had to actively undo that assumption that they thought that the, you know, quote, opposite sex was, was sexy and erotic. So they had to, we had to all go through that process, right. Of being like, Oh no, I don't think that's erotic for me. This other thing is erotic. Right. And so then when you get, when you do it once, you might go like, well, people think I, I'm supposed to find this erotic, but actually I find this over here erotic. This is really cool. You know? So I think there's some predisposition to, some more openness in um, queer sexualities sometimes. Yes, yes. And some more openness into exploring one side to another um, mm. and mm-hmm. finding your own new sexual identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a new time. It's a new world. <laughs> it is. There's, there's so much to explore and that we're just, you know, have so much information out there that we, I, I don't know about you, but I like, I can't even digest it all every day. No, what what no. comes through my, you know, for you page or <laughs> feeds. Um, there's, there's such a huge amount of information. So no. um, it's, we're lucky to have that kind of access, but then it's also about like sifting through it and figuring out what works for us. Yeah. It can be overwhelming for sure. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sinclair, thank you for taking the time to talk with me and the audience about this amazing book. I, I can't wait for the next story. <laughs> I had to put it <laughs> thank down. Thank you so much. So I talk. really appreciate the chat and thoughtful questions. And um, I'll send you a couple of links to follow up. And folks can find me uh, on online and all the places. You know, I'm, I'm easy to Google. So <laughs> you can find me all over the place yeah, you when, you, uh, when you just take a little look. Don't forget Sinclair Sexsmith, and this is Best Lesbian Erotica of the Year, Volume 6, but there's many volumes out there for you to check out. Make sure you go to the website, see what it is that you would like to purchase, see if you want to take a writing class. Maybe you want mm-hmm. to go and take a BDSM class. All of these resources are going to be listed on this episode. So make sure you go and check out and anything and everything you need. And you know what? If you have any questions, you can email me. I can reach out to Sinclair. We could figure it out for you guys. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you. If you follow me on TikTok, you know my girlfriend got me this amazing gift called the Pump Pal. What it is is a silicone glove that stays in your gas tank door. When you get to the gas pump, you stick your hand in, push the buttons, pump the gas. No germs, no mess. Get yours today by following the link in this episode's description. For episode ideas or to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to lesbianspeaking at gmail.com. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash lesbian speaking. For $3 a month, you get a shout out. And for $5 a month, you get a shout out as well as access to an interactive chat with myself and other listeners. To place an ad on this podcast, please email lesbianspeaking at gmail.com. Lesbian speaking can also be found on Instagram, so be sure to go and give a follow.